I have PenFed, that's a fact. I have PenFed, that's a fact. My credit card purchases get me cash back. My credit card purchases get me cash back. No one else gets these rewards. Sergeant, that is just plain untrue. What in tarnation? Sir, PenFed's PowerCash Rewards Card isn't just for military members. Anyone can get cash back on all purchases. Ah, friggins! You've ruined my favorite song. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash PowerCash. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Sound is intimate. Sound is unique. What you choose to listen to reflects how you feel, can change your mood, or even challenge your perception. Sound is serious. Sound is everywhere. Your mobile is your personal library. Shouldn't your car allow you to hear it at its best? The Seat Ibiza, available with Beats Audio and Wireless Phone Charger. Start moving. Visit seat.ie/ibiza. Thank you. Appreciate you coming out. Um, tonight we are having a panel discussion on the topics of uh, diver- diversity, inclusion, and equity. If you didn't know that's what's going on, then you stumbled into what might be uncomfortable, but it should be an awesome conversation. So I appreciate that. Um, real quick, just uh, high level, want to talk a little bit about just our plans for the year. So. Um, Last year, and really since we've opened, we've been open for two years, we've had a, a monthly charity focus. And based on some incidents that happened towards the end of the year and some discussions that we had internally, we decided to take a step back and rethink what community engagement means for us. Um, and so we decided to make it more of a quarterly focus where we actually could create an actionable plan um, and try to, try to have some impact. And we decided collectively that the first half of this year, we want to focus on the topics of diversity, inclusion, and equity. Um, and so we're still working through that plan, um, and this is the first step. Fancy watching the film? Yeah, could do. What's on? This looks good. Spiders on a train. Oh, what's it about? Uh, spiders, and they're on a train. Sometimes the name says it all. Like the Big Tasty from McDonald's, with succulent beef, cheese, sliced tomato, lettuce, onion, and lashings of our Big Tasty sauce. Available with or without bacon. (laughs) Available after 11am until the 28th of January. And it's really going to be focused on the ideas of creating awareness, and then change, and then holding ourselves accountable to that change. Um, And so, this is the first step around awareness. I appreciate everyone coming out. Um, I want to say a few thank yous before we get started. The first one is to Shalin. Where is she? She didn't know this was coming. But <laughs> Shalin. Yeah, give her a round of applause. Things have been crazy for us lately, getting everything ready for Ferndale. Um, and, but this is, this is very important. This is, I, I've told some people this is important to me as Ferndale. Um, and Shalin has really been the one that's behind the scenes is making things happen, um, helping coordinate all the panelists and really all the events. So not only the planning, but also the thought that goes into it. And really our whole team. This is really important to everyone on my team, which is amazing. Um, thank you to Will for making this awesome mic setup happen. Uh, <laughs> If you look next to Will, there's a tiny little microphone with two to a two mic or to a little speaker with two mics. But that was the original game plan, so <laughs> definitely have an upgrade here. Appreciate that. Um, yeah, and then I just want to thank all of you. Um, I think that we made a decision collectively that we wanted to be more than beer. Um, we want to be a value-based, value-driven organization, um, and it was made collectively as a team. And that was probably we we did it kind of all of our one-on-ones. Uh, 
late last year, and that was collectively everyone's biggest moment was us kind of coming together and deciding that. Um, and so that's been huge for us. And we realize that some of our customers just want to drink beer, but other people want, expect more out of a company and out of a brand. So the willingness of everyone here to show up and participate in this discussion, that means a lot to me. I think it says a lot of good things about our community and our industry um, and, and where it can go, really. And then just want to thank all the panelists. I'll, I'll do some intros and uh, talk about everybody, but thanks for taking time. Um, people came from all, all across the state um, and have busy lives and day jobs and all kinds of stuff. So just thank you for, for being part of this and helping us. I mean, I'm always looking to everyone here, really, to think about what we need to do. I mean, I'm the typical white dude with a beard that started a brewery, and so I need, <laughs> I need perspective from others. And so having you guys here as a sounding board means a lot to me. Um, and yeah, so the structure, um, I want it to be a little bit of free flow. So if you guys have questions, just raise your hand, but the way that we're going to do it is, uh, Shalin sourced a lot of questions through social media. We kind of pulled those together. We have a bit of a plan, but, uh, I usually just free form it. So we're going to ask some questions that I sent out to the group, um, jump in. And the idea is the last half hour or so, if people have additional questions, we can have that discussion. Or if you have a comment too, I want everyone to feel like they, that they their voices can be heard. Um, all right, with that, I'll jump into some intros and then hopefully stop talking so much. Um, so we've got five amazing panelists here. Um, at the end, we've got Harry and Sasha. They're from the Bruise Brothers. Yeah. They, uh, were you here last night too, Sasha? Yes. Yeah, we oh, yeah. here. Right? So they basically live here, to be honest. <laughs> Two nights in a row. Um, but the, they've been... Uh, they, the, the Bruce Brothers collectively, we have a, a lot of people from the Bruce Brothers. It's a podcast. If you don't listen to it, download it. I'm sure you can watch it on everything. How do you listen to it? Apple, uh, Android platforms. Catch us on Spotify. Uh, Will over here is our super producer. He makes sure everything gets recorded properly and everything. So definitely the Bruce Brothers podcast. If you're on Facebook, we've got a podcast page as well as a Bruce Brothers page. Uh, maybe later on we can get into how all of that got started and... Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, we'd love to have everybody here as part of the clan. Yeah, awesome. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, they've done a number of podcasts here. Um, and what's been awesome for me is uh, they actually have real discussion, which has been kind of cool. I've gone to a lot of different podcasts, and you just talk about, yeah, we make elephant juice and um, yeah. <laughs> some other New England IPAs. But, like, we actually get into some heartfelt discussion. There's, there's tears. So every once in a while yelling, but not too often. We drink, too. Yeah, and then we drink. Well, that's when the tears come out, usually, to be honest. But, yeah, <laughs> thanks for coming out. Eric drove here all the way from Grand Rapids with his family, so shout-out to Eric. Eric is a head brewer at the Hops in. Gr is it in Grand Rapids or? It's Standale, so we're Standale. just right outside Grand Rapids. Yeah, so just right outside, outside Grand Rapids. Um, we were at the Craft Brewers Michigan Brewers Guild Craft Conference last week. Uh, Shalin and I were putting the final touches on this panel, and it came to mind that Eric would be awesome on the panel. So I, I, I stopped him in the uh, in the what do they call it instigation room, um, <laughs> and and I, I I pitched the idea of him coming before I even finished the sentence. Eric said he was in, so awesome. I appreciate that. It means a lot. If you haven't been to the Hops. I, I think I'll say it. Best loggers in Michigan. Wow. Um, okay. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Sounds like a GR trip for yeah. the Bruce Brothers. Oh, yeah. You got to go there. Yeah. <laughs> and it's all Eric. We've got Rachel here from Brewery Faison, who's been open for how long now? Um, almost three months. Three months. Yeah. Man, it's gone fast. Yeah. Yeah. 
And um, Rachel, actually, they have their first trivia tonight, and she ditched it to come here, which means a lot to us. But that means next Thursday, everyone needs to go to Brewery Faison for trivia. Yes, and it's not far. It's like a mile away, maybe? Yeah, it's not far. Yeah, right. two miles. But yeah, appreciate you coming out. And then Jasmine, I don't even know where to start. Jasmine, yes. Jasmine is, has been in the EMBC fam for almost since we opened, soon, soon after. But, uh, yeah, she's uh, a Tuesday night regular. She holds it down on Tuesdays by herself now. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Jasmine's, I, I can't say enough good words. She's one of the most genuine, thoughtful uh, people that I know. And just I trust her 100% in everything we do. And I think it's just a great representation of the brewery. So thank you for coming. All right. I'm going to throw you guys a softball to start. This is a question for everybody. But what was the moment or specific beer that made you realize that craft beer would play an important role in your lives? You start at one end and go to the other. Who wants to go first? I, well, <laughs> ja- looking at ja- right, Jasmine is looking at me like, you're going first. Um, <laughs> so for me, I... I didn't. I, I was a late bloomer in terms of drinking. I didn't start drinking until I was like 22. So by then, I kind of <laughs> right. I know, right? So I, <laughs> I kind of had a, I kind of had a feel for good liquor versus bad liquor and things of that nature. So there were certain things that were already out of the question for me. And so I was drinking a lot of imported beers and things like that. And um, I started with, um, I had a Dragon's Milk, and right. Had a dragon's milk, and I was like, I could do this shit like on the regular. <laughs> this is something. And so I think, like most craft beer drinkers, at least in that era, because we're talking about 15 years ago, 20 years ago, um, that started me off, and it was a high alcohol percentage beer. So, as most people that started off in craft beer, everywhere I went, I'm looking for the highest ABV on the menu, like, give me that. So, I went from stouts to, um, to big IPAs. Um, to Belgians and things like that. So, um, so that that first that that dragon's milk that I had, I knew that this was going to be a thing. Like I'm like, okay, this is going to be what I do, um, and it has been since. Awesome, Sasha. Uh, I probably drank a fair amount of Corona in my college years. <laughs> so uh, th- that was my introduction to beer, Corona and Heineken, and I thought that's what beer tasted like. I drank that because it was cheap in the club. And so I went out one honestly. So I went out one day with some coworkers, and we went to Ashley's in, in Ann Arbor, and they have a whole bunch of taps. If anybody's ever been there, um, and I ordered something like a Corona, and he looks at me like, "Are you for real?" And so he says, "Just try something else. Is anything else?" So I choose Fin du Monde, and I had never had a beer or anything like this. I, I got this beer, and it was amazing. Still amazing. It's still one of my favorites. Um, that that is the one that got me hooked. Eric. Yeah, I started drinking at a, a pretty early age. <laughs> uh, I think, uh, you know, Bush Heavy and all that stuff, but that's not where I fell in love with craft beer or, or beer in general. I hated it. Um, but it was with my old man at probably about the age of, like, 17. Um, he always had line of Kugels, and, and uh, honestly, I grew up in the south side of Chicago, so he always had Michigan beer, which... You know, he always jokes around, like, you're destined to, to go to Grand Rapids and, and brew. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, uh, I think a lot of it was just I pulled uh, – I had a bunch of questions about why it looked that way, why did it taste this way. Uh, you can throw fruit in beer. 
uh, at an early age, that was a concept that was new. I mean, was new to me, um, and I think because of that, um, that interest, and I was just automatically drawn to beer. But that's that's how I got into it. Why loggers? Uh, why loggers? Because uh, you can't hide anything. Yeah. You can't hide nothing. Yeah. Man. It's got to be. Yeah. It's got to be clean. It's got to be done done right. That's fine. Not a lot of wiggle room there. Nah. Yeah. Uh, hi. I, I grew up in Warren, so, you know, if you know Warren, you know Coonan mm-hmm. Brewery. Um, so that was that was really where I fell in love with beer. And they always had a really awesome, diverse tap list, so I was trying everything all the time. And um, our brewery origin story actually starts at Coonan because we, we decided to enter a chili cook-off um, one night, and uh, it was hosted by their homebrew club and we ended up winning it and the home and the prize was uh, a homebrew kit so my husband and i started uh was we were just dating at the time but we started homebrewing it and that was like what led us down this path of opening a brewery so thanks coonan <laughs> crazy path jasmine uh like sasha i was college um I'm five foot zero. If anybody's ever seen me, but I played rugby in college, and so uh, drink a lot of beer in rugby. Uh, I had a blue moon, and like we might not say the blue moon's craft, but I had a blue moon, and I was like, okay, something can be better than Natty Light. And then I kept exploring what that something could be, and uh, that's how I got into craft beer. Cool, awesome. Um, all right, so now we're gonna get into some big questions. Um, and this is this is a, a pretty general question. Then we'll get into some more specifics. But I'm just curious what the concepts of diversity, inclusion, and equity mean to all of you. Um, uh, yeah, so I'll just go from there. So anyone jump in? Um, give me your thoughts. Jasmine, we started on my end the first time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I work at EMBC. Um, I also work in education. I was a teacher for five years. Now I work for EMU. Um, I've always worked in education equity. And so when we talk about diversity and inclusion and equity in the craft beer industry, um, I think about education. And I think about this idea around every industry, especially within craft beer. They're small businesses. Craft beer, it's a small business. And a small business that is communal and social by nature And so it makes sense that we would be talking about diversity and inclusion in an organization or business that is communal and social. So, yeah. I have a a follow-up question. So I've seen, you know, I see the word diversity a lot, and then I see inclusion get thrown on. I feel like recently equity has been added quite a bit. And I was, uh, (laughs) I spent actually a lot of, I was in an all-day conference today, and I spent a significant amount of time on my phone. um, And I was kind of Googling that. But what are your thoughts on that word equity that gets added? So from a teacher's perspective, um, we always see equity equal isn't always fair. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we're talking about equity and beer and equity and anything, it's meeting people where they are and everybody's coming from somewhere different. And so we can't have the same conversations. We can't treat everyone the same because everybody's not coming in with the same knowledge and the same experiences. Mm-hmm. Thank you. That helps a lot. All right, anyone else want to go? We don't have to go on the line unless Well, you want I was going to say, I'll piggyback off of Jasmine in terms of the concept of equity. Um, I, too, work in equity in my other life, in my professional life. Um, so I talk a lot about this. I've been doing equity work for since before it had a name. I've been doing it for 20 years. Um, but in terms of your example with education, one of, the ways, one of the ways I illustrate equity is when we talk about things like um, programs where every student in a school is entitled, gets a free laptop which is a great concept, absolutely great. But what happens when you have a segment of students 
who can't afford Wi-Fi in their home. Now they just basically have a paperweight because they, they can't use it. So now you've made this attempt to make sure everybody has the same resources, but not everyone has the access to that resource. So now you have to, for those who can't utilize that resource in the way it was meant to, now you have to put things in place to make it equitable, to make it where, you know what, if you fall under a certain income guideline or if your family, whatever amount of money they make, declare, hey, we can't afford Wi-Fi, well, now we should network with WOW or Comcast or whomever and come up with a way to get a discounted Wi-Fi package or a free Wi-Fi package from the months of September to June so that they can do their schoolwork on this laptop that we provided. So things like that, just making sure that everyone gets what they need. Do you see any parallels to craft beer? I absolutely do. Um, and, and like Jasmine, um, every anybody that knows me knows that I kind of drag equity in this, in this whole conversation into anything that I'm a part of, whether it's beer or bourbon or whatever else I might be a part of. Um, and when it comes to the beer industry, um, it really is things like this, just having a conversation and talking about why the industry looks the way it does. Why are there, you know, not a lot of black breweries? Why can we probably count them all on one hand and, or, or, you know, two hands right in the country? And you have to think about things like startup costs and access to capital. And even before you think about that, think about access to craft beer. Who's reaching out to these communities to say, hey, this stuff is good. Come on in. Because the, the, the major entities are doing it. You got Bud Light and Miller Light signs all over every black community in America. Yeah. And, right, 40 ounce. I've got a story about that later on. Um, but you've got, right, we've got, all, we've got all of these macro entities that invest in these communities and invest in advertising in these communities, for better or worse. Um, And there's no reason that craft beer cannot reach out to these communities uh, and invite them in as well. Yeah, Yeah, I guess I would, would, as someone who went through funding for a small business recently, it's um, the the conversation about access to to funds is is big um, when you're having that equity conversation. And I think um, speaking about what Jasmine said, um, you really sorry <laughs> um, I was just now I'm totally off track here sorry no um, it's very difficult to finance a small business and I think breweries are specifically difficult because they're very like equipment forward you have to invest a lot in the building the infrastructure we had to, we had to upgrade all the utilities we had to buy all this equipment um, we came from a, a point in our lives uh, where where we could basically um, purchase a building and then collateralize our entire lives to to get a loan to make our project a reality and that's like definitely not something that a lot of people can do so i i personally appreciate um the challenges that are out there that face people i think um you know like this motor city match program that we were and you were um participants in was a, a really cool um, way to get access to some capital um, that's less traditional route, and I, you know, it's it's definitely something that I'm interested in, like knowing more about. Um, I learned a ton going through the process of opening my business, and I like to share everything I learned with everyone I can. So one of the things that I think about when I can give back to the community is like, how you know, can I first of all create a space that 
is a small business in a community that I want everyone to feel welcome to come in and try beer at. But also, like, how can I like do business mentoring? Can I talk to people about what it's like dealing with the city of Detroit, um, which has its own set of specific challenges downtown <laughs> to <Yeah>. get open? <laughs> um, you know, I, I I learned a lot um, going through what I did, and, and any way that I can, um, you know, put that forward would be my way of, um, you know, giving back equitably to my community yeah. I guess I'll put it that way but um, also with the the words um, you know diversity is like you know are, as an employer like are you having a diverse staff is not the same thing as um, you know c- creating an environment where people are actually welcome and like and you know feel like they're part of that community like it's not numbers and as a small business there's like nothing more important than creating a family that cares about what you're doing wants to be there wants the community to be there you know your neighbors and your local customers are the best customers you'll ever have like you know people seek out craft beer but you you're like having a neighborhood small business is so much more rewarding and that's like really what it's all about to me yeah mm-hmm. yeah i'm gonna oh do you want to go <laughs> well i just wanted to say i mean i can't i can't talk to like startup and financing but i mean being back of the house as a brewer um i mean eight years ago it might have been a little maybe different but this is one of the industries where it's like like radio in terms of volunteering time so that you earn a spot to uh, be in the brew house. That's that's how I started. To uh, my first two years were on pay, unpaid, um, but I think uh, diversity, uh, especially with these communities or smaller breweries that start up. Again, I'm from like from the south side of Chicago, so it, it's you know it's a, a struggling communities almost everywhere, uh, and breweries that pop up there. I think uh, you know having that diversity uh, in terms of just like representing your community, like you said, but in the brewery as well and. And having that inclusion for, you know, uh, livable wages for your entry-level positions. Um, I think it's hard for a lot of It was definitely hard for me to get by volunteering. Um, I mean, it might be different now, like I said, but, I mean, it was definitely hard. So, yeah, um, yeah that's all. Yeah. I think follow-up to that, um, I'd love to hear your perspective on just Chicago versus Michigan, and especially Grand Rapids, which we know is oh, yeah. pretty white. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, but crazy, yeah, I think diversity is an issue in craft beer everywhere, but it seems like in Chicago things aren't quite as bad, especially as somewhere like Grand Rapids. I'm just kind of curious to your perspective on how, how Chicago compares. It, it's not quite as bad, but it's still bad. Um, yeah, I mean, moving to Grand Rapids, uh, we we moved here about a year and four months ago, um, so we're still pretty new to to Michigan in general. Um, but yeah, man, it's it's been <laughs> it's been crazy to see. Um, everyone's super nice for sure. That's I mean, I've, I've the encounters I've had, it's been okay. Um, but I mean, it's 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 definitely not diverse and. I mean, I live out in Caledonia, and if you know West Michigan at all, uh, you would not expect to see me out in Caledonia. Uh, it's a rural farm town, so like I go to my local D&W, and I'm like, what the fuck? Uh, but, I mean, yeah, in terms of the industry, there's a handful of um, you know, ethnic brewers, but it's, it's definitely it's not much better than, than here. And, and, I mean, that speaks volumes because Chicago is such a major city. It's a massive city. Yeah. Um, and there's people. I, I know, man. Everyone wants to get involved. It's a booming industry. Um, 
that it's, it's just it's not happening for the like minorities and minorities is, are such a broad term but it's like you know female brewers um, yeah it's just it's not it's not happening and, and it's an issue definitely yeah um, that made me think about like I'm from the DC area which is like another like predominantly black city chocolate like, city chocolate city <laughs> yay uh, yeah like we're known for people of color um, and then I came to Detroit and I was like yeah a lot of black people yeah black city uh, but you come downtown and you go to any brewery down here the population of Detroit is still over 70% of the city's black you don't see that when you're downtown. You don't see that in these breweries. And so, like, yeah, Chicago might be doing something, but, like, Detroit, we have a lot of work to do um, to make that look like our city. So, yeah. yeah. I had this structure that has completely fallen apart, so I'm just going to run with it. Um, <laughs> something that I think about and I'm very aware is that, and, and, Rachel, I can tell that you are too, is we open breweries in Detroit. Um, we're white. And it's, I think it's over 80% black, actually. Um, and it's just a weird dichotomy, I think, for when, when you look at our, our customers and our staff, when you just look around at how craft beer is different. And I think about it every time I'm here. Um, and just wanted to kind of get everyone's perspective. It's not a specific question, but just kind of get thoughts with someone that's not me from everybody. I mean, that's kind of, so that's, that's kind of how Bruce Brothers really got big, um, we started as a Facebook page back in November of 2013 with like 12 people um, just talking about our favorite Christmas beers. And so um, fast forward to 2020, we got almost 800 members um, from all over the country, but mostly local um, with no advertising, just kind of an organic, really family kind of thing. But our purpose is, one of our purposes anyway, is to bring people together around beer it's, and, and to let people know, yes, there are black people that drink, not only drink beer, but know a lot of shit about beer. Um, any, anybody that, that has my phone number and knows me to any length, I probably get 15 phone calls a week like, yo, I'm in the store. What do I need to get? <laughs> so, right. But conversely... Sometimes I'll go into a store, and um, I know there's a term that, that ladies often use about how men try to explain to them things to them like their children. They call it mansplaining. People try to do beer splaining to, to me, and I'm like, and I really want to be like, I could probably do your job five times better than you can in terms of explaining, you know, these beers and what people are looking for. And so um, that is kind of what we uh, kind of wanted to. I don't like the term microaggressions, um, but for lack of a better term, using a term people are familiar with, yeah. that's one of those things that, um, as a black man in a beer-drinking culture, that I deal with. You know, the, the assumption is, you know, I'm coming in blind and like, oh, well, you know, we've got some Founders Solid Gold over here, and we've got some Two Hearted. Two Hearted is great, but that's not what I go to the store looking for. Yeah. Um, so, you know, things like that um, are, are kind of the... the Annoying things that uh, the smaller annoying things the way that, that I deal with. Yeah, yeah. We were at the uh, we were at the um, the conference last week that I mentioned, and there was a speaker there. Her name's Dr. J. Um, mm-hmm. Some people might know her. Good she's doctor. she's incredible. Yeah. Um, she's the I want to make sure I get this right. She's the Brewers Association Diversity Ambassador, um, and I want to touch on a few other things that she spoke on. But um, 
she she had a very similar story, Harry, where she uh, she she talked about how she would go to a brewery, and she knows more about beer than I do, a hundred percent. And she would go up and sit and, and be looking at the menu, and she said that the st- staff oftentimes are like. Do you like light beer? <laughs> She'll be like, "Why are you talking so slow?" Exactly. And and it's it's just a thing that I think people don't even realize, mm-hmm. but they need to. And I think that was kind of the point that she was making. Yeah. 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 As, a, say- as a female, I I really. Yeah, I think yeah, <laughs> female too. Yeah. Okay. Were you gonna say something, Sasha? I was. Uh, so I moved. I grew up in Detroit. I moved to Ann Arbor when I was about seventeen. I went to school there, and then I never left. Ann Arbor is its own different culture outside of Detroit, but I spent all of that time in Ann Arbor knowing that community. And then I started coming back to Detroit after I was invited to come on the podcast, and I I did not ever come down here to hang out. And when I left, I was 17, so I I wasn't doing anything. So all of my adult sort of, you know, young adult hanging out was done somewhere else. I came here and thinking this is the Detroit I knew and loved of 20 years ago, and I came downtown and was like, somebody walking a toy poodle down the street. Oh, like, what are you doing, lady? Are you okay? So it it became a very different culture at the time that I was gone. Um, The things that have, the experiences that that I've had here that are, have made me feel comfortable, sorry, feel comfortable coming in. When I come somewhere, um, if I come in and the staff is is just treating me like everyone else, then I'm going to come back to you. If you give me that odd, you know, like, do you like this kind of thing, I'm, yeah. I'm going to be put off right away. So I've gone to some places in Detroit that have, have been like, why are you here? Why are like, you here? Right. Why are you here? Did you make so, a wrong turn? You know, <laughs> right. You know, and it, it is this strange dichotomy. Mm-hmm. You, you go a few blocks away into the city, and it is the city I know and love. <laughs> but then I am downtown, and I'm like, I don't, this looks like Ann Arbor to me. <laughs> And that, that is weird. It was not that when I was growing up. It wasn't that when I was a teenager and left. Yeah, downtown is an island. And what is, um, what is now known as, as Midtown will always be Cass Corridor to me. Yes. Because uh, that's where I grew up. I went, to, right, I went to Cass Tech. So, I mean, I was in the bowels of Cass Corridor for my formative years. So I know what that area has been. Um, and for someone who is newer to the city, and by newer, I mean in the last 10 years, um, it is totally unrecognizable relative to that era. I mean, there's <laughs> there's this fancy-looking restaurant on the corner of, um, right around the street from Cass, Texas. It's on the corner of, like, Cass and um, maybe Henry, whatever. It used, to be, it used to be a liquor store, and that's where we used to skip school to, right, to go and get whatever we were going to get, and now it's like this fancy market. There is no sign that that raggedy ass liquor store was ever there um, I, but I loved it, it right right and it served a purpose and, no, and, the, and the, the people that lived down there that have been displaced never bothered us they we never had trouble with them as a matter of fact when they would catch us going to the store and skipping school they would say you know what you better get your ass back over there in school before you end up out here like me now give me a couple dollars, but <laughs> but I, I, I say that to say that we can't ignore the culture that built that area and the spirit that's in that area because the truth of the matter is those people are still they're still there in spurts, but by and large they've been pushed out. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, to add to that, I think that's where we get in this conversation around inclusion. Right. That yes. That's why we have diversity and inclusion, equity, but inclusion. Mm-hmm. We're creating these spaces and starting these businesses and places that didn't used to have the populations there now. Yeah. So what does inclusion look like, whether that's an apartment building? Uh, what does your housing policy look like? What kind of people are you trying to get into this housing structure? Um, whether that's a brewery, how are we including the community that we're starting these businesses at? Um, and having conversations with people that might not look like you um, because that's who's been there, and that's why Detroit's still here. So, yeah. I would just add that when we... We spent a long time searching for a building. So I moved downtown to go to Wayne State um, in 2005. So I've been down here for a lot of the change. I've seen it too, and it's it does affect it. it it's a huge difference. It affects you, um, no matter what your background is. But essentially, we searched for a building for a long time. We live in Corktown, and um, you know, it was our idea became a. Passion of ours before Batch Brewing Company opened. So originally we were like, oh, we'll do, you know, Corktown seems it's our neighborhood. It makes sense to open here and whatever. So, but we ended up looking kind of all over the city. And um, it's always been important to us to be in Detroit because we fell in love with Detroit. Um, the city is a beautiful, wonderful place. And I want to be here and I want to spread positivity and all that stuff. So, um, you know, finding Island View was really cool because it's an industrial area. We were really cognizant through the the entire thing about the gentrification conversation and displacing people, and we didn't want to be in a position as business owners where we were being attacked or being, you know, I mean, so it's something that, like, has been ingrained in me the entire process. It's, It's a serious thing to consider as a as a white person as a business owner in detroit um and we didn't ignore it we didn't look past it um we found an industrial stretch of warehouses um that was primarily owned by one family um you know we're at lafayette mount elliott area and there's we you know we were comfortable going in there because it wasn't if anything we were hoping to be a catalyst for more growth in the area in a in a in a way that is positive and if we can become if we can become a positive force and like help the conversation about housing and and being fair to like the people that you know that already live in Island View, the people that want to come into Island View, like we're going to do that because we're not moving in to just profit off of Detroiters. We're moving in to be a community as well, to start more community in an area that is really just industrial right now. So. I, th- I think that's one of the great things about breweries is that many, like us, are community-focused. But I guess what can we do to become, using that word, more inclusive? What are steps that we can take to become more inclusive? This is a question for, for everybody. I mean, I think just having this conversation. I mean, you've, you've opened your space up to all of these people to come out here and have this discussion. Um, I, I can't think of another space where this conversation in this context is being held. So that says something about your desire and everybody here, their desire and openness to have the conversation um, and, and to understand that it's important, an important conversation to have. I remember the first one of the first conversations you and I had when we had you on the podcast and I asked you if you knew about the history of the area you know, that the brewery was in and you said that you didn't, but you followed it up with, but I'd love to know. And not only did you say it on the podcast, the next day it was, Dane was calling me like, yo, so uh, how are we going to put this thing together, man? I really want to do this. And so it wasn't just 
it wasn't smoke and mirrors. It was a very sincere thing, and it's something that's, that's come to fruition, which I'm sure we'll talk about later on. Yeah. But um, like I said, the just the willingness to, to host this conversation, the willingness to do community service efforts every quarter and reach out to the community that you're, that you're occupying and acknowledging, hey, we're not just here to occupy a space and make money, as you alluded to. I mean, we're part of the community. And that inevitably brings in, or, or at very least, opens it up to all of the community and makes people feel welcome. It, piggybacking on that, something that I think a lot about is discussion's good, taking a stance is good, creating awareness is good, but then how do you move it forward? Because I, I I, I'm glad that we're having a discussion, but I also want to see that there's actually impactful change. And what can we do as, as breweries, brewery owners, brewery employees, what can we do to actually start to create real change? And that's, that's a tough question, too. I know. I think about it all the time. But any thoughts would be appreciated. I think um, being willing to participate in community service efforts mm-hmm. um, and to get your face out there, that also speaks to people, the comfort level that people have coming here. If I've seen you at all of the events that I go to for my kids' baseball team or whatever it is, then I'm going to be comfortable going there. I have kind of a loose relationship with you. I know who you are. You seem to be okay with me. I mean, I, I can't speak for black people everywhere, but for me, if I, when I meet someone... You're not the national black people rep. I guess. Just the Sasha rep. But when I meet particularly a white person, I'm going to judge, like, how you respond to me. Are you a little freaked out, like, as if you've never talked to a black person this much? What is your, you know, like, like, what's your behavior like? So if I meet you as a business owner and we're out, you know, doing whatever it is we're doing, and you're talking to me about your brewery and we're just talking and just having a conversation and you're not weird about it, I'm going to come there. Yeah. And the same thing when I, you know, when I come into a place, like I said earlier, if, if everyone's treating me like I'm just a regular person who's just having a beer, then I will keep coming back. Yeah. But yeah. it's participating in those events, getting your face out there, getting your brand out there. People see it, and they know that you're not afraid to come to these spaces. Being a good neighbor. Be yeah. Yeah. yeah, being a good neighbor. That's one of the things that we've mm-hmm. talked a lot about over the last year on the podcast with some things that have been going on locally and semi-locally. But it, it doesn't... It doesn't it doesn't take a bunch to be a good neighbor. If you think about the people you live next to or, or live two doors down from, you look out for each other. You see somebody at your neighbor's house that doesn't, that's not supposed to be there, then you, you, know, you look out for them and you're going to try to make sure that they're okay. Same thing in a business community. Being a good neighbor, making sure that things are going well in the community and making sure that you are, uh, again, welcoming everybody in that community. And I, I'll, I'll even go as far as... Um I mean, uh, 100% community outreach, um, I because you're not going to get anywhere without your community behind you. But, uh, I mean, back in my hometown, it's called La Vaita, which is Little Village. It's just, and South Side Chicago has the highest concentration of, of Hispanic po- uh, population in, in Illinois. Um, but when a brewery opened up there, and they charge $8 for a Pilsner, you push everybody out. Yep. You push everybody out. So it's like the tangibles as well of bringing people through your door. And, I mean, you're embracing, you're, you're pushing out the clientele that, that's down the street, that's around the corner, that may even live upstairs or whatever. But, I mean, the, those types of tangibles, you know, the, the pricing, affordability. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's something I feel passionate about because I experienced that getting into the craft beer scene when Rick Bayless opened a brewery down the street. And I was like, what? Come on, man. $7 for a beer? No way. I can't do it. I can't do it. 
eight dollars for a beer. Yeah, okay. I would. Oh, I would just add to MySpace is a giant open warehouse space, and we don't have a kitchen, so we have the ability to partner with um, food trucks and pop-ups and artists and all kinds of things. And that is one of my um, ultimate goals with with creating a real community space is to like bring in. Um, and collaborate with people that are from Detroit, of Detroit, want to operate in Detroit. Um, so we've done, we've done a bunch of food pop-ups so far, um, and we're only three months old, as he pointed out. So we're, you know, we're a baby brewery right now, but we're trying really hard um, to make those connections and to network and to, um, to, to make that an avenue for making it a community space. Yeah, yeah one, one aha mo- Oh, yeah, go ahead. So you were mentioning the $8 filter. You want to get everyone's perspective. Do you think that's a tactic of being anti-diverse? Hell yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> you know what? Because that's, yep. that's how you – there's a there's a book, um, and I brother would, would kill me if he knew I couldn't remember his name. But anyway, uh, Edward Bernardo Silva. And uh, Silva, the book is called Racism Without Racists. And it talks about – the new language of racism and talking about things uh, like talking about how, oh, my property value is going down because these people have moved into my community. Well, who are these people? Without, without using these overtly racist terms. Same way. So just like housing. If you say, okay, well, you know, yeah, we don't have any, um, we don't have these uh, archaic housing clauses that says black people can't live here, but, you know, the houses started a half a million dollars. So... As long as you can afford it, you can live here. So you're absolutely excluding people, um, especially when that cost isn't necessary. Um, I do understand the the economy of beer. I understand that certain beers cost more to make, and there are going to be beers that are expensive. But there is also there are also beers that can be placed at an entry point where people can say, "Okay, I'm here. Oh, four dollars for a beer? That's cool." And even at that, when you get people in the door. The next few times they come and they got a couple more dollars, they might buy that $9 stout. And now you've got a new customer that not only is a loyal customer because of how you treated them, but now they like the beer too, but they they came in from the entry point. So, yeah, I, I absolutely believe that the pricing um, excludes a lot of people. Can I kind of go on that a little bit? So, like, you know... If we are at like you know craft four dollar craft pint deal, yeah, but that's still way above macro prices. Yeah. So how how do you in a genuine way convince people that I'm in your neighborhood, I'm charging four dollars for this product I'm producing here, and try to kind of you know convince people to come to to the table for that when they can go and get a shot of beer for two bucks. What was the right. And, I mean, I so, so for me, there's something there's something to be said for being in a place, and you can say to me, you know what, this beer is four dollars, and we made it right there. Yeah. It's right there, and these these tanks you see had this beer in them. Yeah. So there's also there, there's something to be said for uh, being in the environment and and the the kind of the nuance to the environment or the ambiance, so to speak, to the environment. Um, and, and you know, it speaks to the quality as well had a conversation about you know what I get that it that even at four dollars um, you probably could get a pint of whatever beer you usually drink and a shot of whatever you know liquor you happen to drink however you know this was made with love this wasn't made in these 
macro batches and, and things like that. And, and at the entry point, it might be a novelty for someone. It might not be something that they do all the time. But it may develop into that because when you put them side by side, for me anyway, there is absolutely no way I would ever pick a macro over a micro because the taste is that much different. So now when you bring people in at that entry point and they're able to make a connection and say, okay, this is three times more than what I usually spend, but it tastes so much better, now you've got a, you know, you've, you've created another customer. And also 10 years ago, I mean, the term craft beer was not what it is today. Right. Everybody knows what that means. Yeah. And I think everybody wants to get in and experience it. So having those affordable price points, you know, Ride will bring those people in. Yeah. I think one of the things that you have to do before we start talking about price point is when you enter an establishment, is how are you treated when you come in. Yeah, sure. Because before you see a price list, you either get acknowledgement or you get shunned or you already get the feeling before you can sit down and the place normally. So if you're treated as family, you welcome when you come in, then you move on to affordable price in terms of something that's introduced. But most of the time, we go through a prep, and I say we, I mean people of color, you go into an establishment, and you look around, and you kind of make that eye contact with, did you see somebody else that looks like you? Right. Yeah. Right. You kind of give a little nod, like, oh. Yeah, yeah. okay, <laughs> right, we, we good, right. <laughs> you test the weight of the chairs, all that, yeah, yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> you know, so it's how you're treated upon entering is the first step, and that's why I like coming and and to Wayne's point, Wayne and I have been drinking together for a long time. Wayne, how many times have we gone into a space where, theoretically, we could buy everything that everybody's drinking and be ignored from the time we go to the door? Countless. But, you know, those are things that, unfortunately, we've, we've dealt with going through things in this industry. Um, and and it, it's... I hesitate to say that it's gotten better. Um, I would say that it's not as frequent these days because I think that um, I think maybe our faces have become a little more familiar <laughs> in some places. But um, but like I said, there have been plenty of times um, you know we've gone to places and uh, have the resource to buy whatever we want, but are ignored because we don't necessarily look like everybody else in there. And that's a that is a tangible feeling um, it's not it's not somebody overtly set telling you to get out it's that feeling when you go somewhere and you know that you're not welcome and or, we go back and tell our friends yeah. our experiences in those places yep. so, and we'll put it on social media Absolutely. But, you know, it'll, it will get out there and, and that just contributes to the issue of getting more people of color mm-hmm. into yeah. your brewery yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
to see what face is being put on your product. And also, you know, I mean, there, there are a lot of groups on Facebook, particularly, obviously, aimed at women, and I'm a woman, so I'm in those kind of groups that are, you know, like, what kind of, what kind of massaging is going on? You know, that a lot of women is, you know, if I order an IPA and he orders a fruity sour, <laughs> and someone else brings it out, we're going to sell the IPA. <laughs> 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 yeah, for sure. For sure. Those are the kind of conversations and the kind of experiences that not everybody has. And there is, there is, it's a little bit exclusionary for, you know, I mean, I, I can't speak to being a person of color or anything like that, but as a woman, it's, it's hard to walk into a place and assume you're ignorant. To assume you don't belong there. And I think it's really important not only to make sure you're in all of those kind of diverse places, but also to make sure that all of the places that you're in yeah, and that was that was something that exact. I wanted to get there. I think one of my biggest aha moments last year was that we need to get out of our comfort zone because this is my comfort zone. Um, and everyone here, uh, I, I know all my staff. We have a lot of regulars, and that's part of the problem. So I need to get out into the community. We need to actually distribute our beer to places that might not strategically make sense for selling beer, but I think in the long run, they'd be worth it. But we need to get out there, do community events. So community engagement is more than just volunteering. Volunteering is important. It's more than just donating money, but it's actually being part of the community, going out to places where we feel uncomfortable, and then people are pretty, pretty in general, pretty cool. Like, you can, you can talk to people. <laughs> and then all of a sudden they'll be like, oh, I met Dane. He owns Eastern Market Brewing Company. Right. I want to go back and I want to try a $5 wheat beer and go from there. And then before you know it, they're drinking a shock tart or whatever it may be. And I know this sister right here has a question. I'm, I'm a, I want to say something really quick because I don't want to let this get away. Dane isn't just talking the talk with regard to this community service piece. And he, I don't know whether or not he wants me to talk about this, but I'm going to. Um, <laughs> so at the end of last year, um, a group that I do some other community service with provides coats and a Christmas dinner for kids at a, at a local community center, Detroit Boxing Gym. Um, just before Christmas, a $19,000 donor backed out on them, and they were not going to be able to provide coats and, and all of that for those kids. I happened to, just in a conversation with my wife, it happened to come up. And I said, you know what, let me call some people. Let me see what we can what we can pull together. Dane was the first person I called. And we had a five-minute conversation, probably exchanged six text messages. And after that, the ball was rolling. And we came up with $10,000 in four days. Dane did not hesitate. There, it wasn't a, uh, let me get back to you. It was a, I'm going to call you back because I'm going to have everything set up. Took care of the food. We, he used his social capital. We combined some social capital to come up with those resources. So it can be done. And it's not, it doesn't take this huge monumental force by one person. 
when people get the idea that they can work with you and that you are a community resource that can be called upon, then we all do it together, and that's exactly what happened. So I want to make sure that everybody here knows this isn't just conversation, this isn't just talk from Dane, or from me or from the Bruce Brothers or anybody up here. This is what we do. One of the things with Bruce Brothers is, is we're not just about beer, we're about establishing a community and a family, and anybody that's in that group knows that Bruce Brothers is absolutely a family. So thank you for that, Dane, um, for walking the walk and talking the talk. Yeah. I don't like to talk about that stuff, but um, <laughs> you know, I, we have a responsibility, right? We we have started a business that's been somewhat successful, and I, I got—I mean, I had I had a corporate strategy job, life was good, and then I just didn't feel meaning in what I was doing, and that's what led to this brewery opening. And so we had an opportunity to help, and it was much bigger than me. I mean, the second that you texted me, I texted the team, and the team just started just started working. I yeah. mean. It, like you said, the ball was rolling, but yeah. all I did was forward your text, um, and I. But that's how social team. capital works, yep. right? Yep. And then, and then our our members are up to seven hundred and fifty members now, which is crazy. Yeah. I thought that if we had like fifty right now, I'd be happy. Um, but <laughs> sent one email, and that just kind of ran. So I mean, it's kudos to the community and, and everyone here because I know a lot of people donated to that and spread the words. So appreciate that. And that's but, what being a good neighbor looks like. Yeah. yeah, appreciate that. Don't embarrass me more, Alex. <laughs> this sister right here had a question. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. All right, go ahead, Alex. It's right up the street. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Understanding exactly who you are and where you are and Yeah. Alex is a big part of that too. <laughs> you got something? Oh yeah. So when I first walked in, I felt uncomfortable because of you know. I didn't see too many people that looked like me. Yep. Okay, and the more I came, I felt very comfortable. When I walk in, Jay, everybody in here makes me feel like everybody. Yeah. Family. It's yeah. like cheers. Yeah. Right, right, right. That's exactly how it is when I when I come in here now, right. They, they start pouring my beer. And I'm like, what you stood by, the founders you going through, what they were going through, the back and out of, um, what is that, beer fest? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I went. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but, um, you know, but I, I have a lot of respect for you, and I continue to come here. And as far as, you know, I grew up, I'm older than probably all of us. <laughs> 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 
Appreciate that. Thanks for buying all the beer. And I come here every night, so y'all all me. Yeah, we do. We do. <laughs> yeah. Did you know this was going on? Oh, welcome. Right. Glad, glad you made it out. All right. <laughs> and, and, gl- and glad you stayed. So yeah. yeah. That's a very important point. I know Harry and I have talked about yeah. this a lot, yeah. but it also this all just makes a lot of sense from a, a, business, from a business standpoint. standpoint. Right. And, and Dr. J talked about this a lot last week. Eric, Eric can stand by yeah. it, but she's just there's a huge portion of America that should be drinking craft beer, yeah. and isn't because of these issues. And so there's a business opportunity as well. You know, if Kim wants to buy some beer, I'm not going to tell her no. Right. I'll sell beer to anybody. You know, and, and yeah. So, I mean, we want to be more than beer, but you're absolutely right that there's a there's a business component of this as well that just makes sense, especially in the city of Detroit. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of people that want to buy beer, and they only they will go somewhere where they feel comfortable, understandably. And without and without beating a dead horse, um, and if you listen to the Brews Brothers podcast from episode one probably up on through the end of last year you'll hear we talked a lot about the a lot about the founders situation and we you know got a little hashtag and all of that kind of thing um we well, yeah fuck founders was our fact was our, was our little hashtag but i wasn't gonna say it i said in 2020 i was off that but i knew it was gonna uh, come out i knew it i was waiting but I, I, I bring that up to say that and I've said it a thousand times on the podcast. My beef was not with what happened at Founders. It was the way that it was handled. Yeah, for sure. Bruce Brothers, in particular, brought this issue to Founders, and I'm talking about sending emails to the CEO, not just like calling the brew pub. I'm talking about sending emails all the way up the ladder, saying, "Hey, you guys are not handling this properly, and if you continue to handle it this way." you are going to lose thousands of black beer drinkers, about 2,000 of which we know personally and have sworn off. Like this fuck founders hashtag is not a a group of 10 people. This is a... Exactly. So that whole piece was ignored, and part of the reason it was ignored, and to your point, is that there is also a market share, a larger market share, that doesn't care. 
If you if you look at some of the local Facebook pages and all of that, when you start, especially when it was at its height, and you started talking about what was going on at Founders, it was like, eh, we don't really know it happened. I'm going to drink it until, you know, I get some proof. Or I, I don't care, I'm still going to drink the beer. And, you know, people even being really obnoxious with it. There was a, a situation where a guy was like, you know, it was a conversation. The guy literally, like, laid down in front of these cases of Founders beer. Like, yes, I'm still buying it. You know what? Enjoy it. Yeah. You know, and in my head, I'm like, I hope you choke on it. But I don't. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't want anybody to hurt themselves. But, again, my, my issue was not with what happened. Every, every company in the world hires an asshole every now and then, and it needs to be dealt with in a particular way. This was not dealt with properly, and we told them for an entire year that it was not dealt with properly. And what was going to... If you listen to the Bruce Brothers podcast, it's going to be like a crystal ball. Because you're going to be like, they've been saying this for a year, and it's exactly what happened. And so, to your point about allowing that revenue to walk out the door, it's because we're a blip on the map in terms of their market share. Yeah, currently, but there's opportunity there's missing they're missing out on. Well, we were just talking before we started the started the, the panel about, you know, some of the uh, beers from that particular brewery have been sitting on tap for a long time at some places cuz it's not moving. Yeah. It's been sitting in boxes at places where it usually moves pretty fast and it's not moving. Yeah. So so it's going from fuck founders to founders it's fucked. But to founders it's <laughs> fucked. Yeah. Yeah. And they and they, and they, and they, and, they, and, and this will be my last point on that because, like I said, in 2020, I said I was off that. Okay. But <laughs> what I also said, and you can, it's on wax. You can check the tapes. From day one, I said I don't want the founders' ship to sink. I want them to write the ship. Yeah. But they didn't. So fuck them. All right. So that comes back to this idea around small businesses. Breweries are small businesses. Yes. And people, their eyes are on breweries, these yeah. small businesses of America. So it makes sense that we're making the right choices and we're talking about diversity because America's watching. Yeah. And yeah. so like, it's really important that we talk about diversity and inclusion in these spaces and why black people don't feel comfortable walking into a brewery. Mm-hmm. Why doesn't a woman feel comfortable walking into a brewery? Um, how can we make these spaces more safe for people to feel comfortable because America's watching. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think you're next. Yeah, I mean, regarding you said, you know, losing the revenue from somebody walking out the door, I mean, I think part of the problem is the door's not open. Right. right? So it's not just revenue, like, it's not somebody walking yes. and not spending money, it's somebody not walking. It's called the Lowe's Brothers. One question I would ask, like, the five years from here, they talk to more, and my memory is in northern Michigan. So like we, we do not have the opportunity to hire uh, much racially diverse staff. Yeah. We hire female brewers, assistant brewers, yeah. but we, we don't have the ability like people aren't there. Yeah. But from a staff standpoint, like one idea I just had sitting back here. Yeah. So I was at uh, so Cassie and I are doing a program through the Detroit Chamber of Commerce Detroit. We yeah. literally spent nine hours a day dealing with racial diversity stuff, so I'm really right now just because it was a fucking heavy day. Yeah. <laughs> Nine hours of like in a room, very diverse group of business leaders, super diverse, male to male, whatever, but um, what are we doing like mentorship-wise? Mm-hmm. Or, so one idea I can say that here's apprenticeship, right? Yeah. So we mm-hmm. had a session at, uh, what was that the high school that we were at? Um, 
Oh, yeah, yeah. Can we, can we like, get some beer apprentices? Can we, like, make it? Yeah. I, I want to talk to you. Yeah. Because I'm, like, all these kids up north, and I've got housing. Like, let's do beer apprenticeships. Yeah. 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 Hey, man. Hey, shout to Five Shores. Bruce Brothers family. Looking forward to getting it opened up and getting... <laughs> right, you missed Grady. He was here with us last night. <laughs> but to your point about uh, apprenticeships, mm-hmm. apprenticeships and uh, internships, so I work for the University of Michigan, and one of the things, I work for uh, IT, and I work in security. There's no one that looks like me ever. And so one of the things that they have done is start an internship program. And when they first started, they were recruiting around Ann Arbor and University of Michigan. And, of course, the pool of people that they got looked nothing like me. They began to branch out. Um, and it's a summer, summer internship program. And they started to branch out to high school students in the city of Ipsy, which has a largely black population. And then, huh? Oh, okay. <laughs> so, so then this year, uh, this past summer, I had a mentee who was a young black girl. And I'm like, you're coming into ICT security? Like, I, there was no one like that when I was coming up, you know. So they, they diversified that. They found some other people. I think the idea of an internship, apprenticeship is a great thing. It's one of the things that I wanted to mention tonight yeah. when trying to get more, a more diverse uh, group of people yeah. on the production side of things. Yes. And that's targeted. Like, we talk about, oh, yeah, we don't want to just get black people or women or... You have to get targeted internships because of equity. We're talking yeah. about equity because yeah. the people aren't there. You have yeah. to go out and get people in. Bring them up for a few yeah. months. And yeah. It's just not there. It's just physically not yeah. there for you. Women, right. low income. Yeah. yeah. We brought people from all over the country. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And then, yeah and we a, should. In a, on, a, on a macro scale, what we have to understand is that there was a time where black people, women, uh, Latinx people, people of minoritized populations were not allowed in certain spaces. It just wasn't an option. So now there has to be an intentional effort to bring people into these spaces. It doesn't happen just organically when you're looking at a situation historically where these populations just weren't allowed yeah. or weren't made to feel comfortable. Yeah. So absolutely it should be intentional. Yeah. That was, uh, you know, another big issue we had was that, here we go back to Founders, but Founders was saying, Damn it, Harry. I know, right, it's, a, it's on the April Bruce Brothers podcast episode, but the then diversity and inclusion person that we, when we had her on, she said, well, we don't want to, reach out necessarily to the black community and make it look like we're doing this because this happened. Why not? Right. You got to do it at some point. We're not just going to come back. I can tell you that shit. It's just, it's not going to happen that way. There has to be an intentional outreach. Yeah. And so when we, when you talk about the internship piece and when you talk about bringing people in the doors, it has to be intentional. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. and uh, we should talk more. Um, I know I know, Schoolcraft would be interested in yeah. helping yeah. support something like that. I've talked to him about there, it. Dang. Yeah. Yeah. Eastern has a program. Eastern. Michigan yeah. State has a program, I think. So. Yeah. yeah. So there's a lot of questions and comments, and oh. I'll, I'll be sure to get to them, but there's just one. It's about to get good. We got a picture of here. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see the pictures come out. Go ahead. Appreciate you. 
That's work. Yeah. 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 yeah, absolutely. I agree. That's very important to me. And I just want to build on those points. Something that I've just seen firsthand is um, uh, one of the best parts about owning a brewery and it want, but it also causes a lot of these issues is that a lot of people want to work for a brewery. And so it's very easy for us to just post something on Instagram saying, we're hiring. Right. But who does that post go to? Right. It goes to more people that look like me. suspects. Yeah. And then you we get... Yeah. <laughs> My got, hair is getting long. You got a um, hand behind you there, Dane. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. Okay. Um, but, um... And so I've kind of came to the realization that you're not going to see us posting jobs on social media because we're just going to get more and more people that look like me and look like our typical customer. And and I think that's what I'm trying to work with a lot of breweries to understand is that the easiest route isn't necessarily the best route. And you might have to work a little bit harder to create the diverse workforce that you want if you truly if you truly mean it. And so that's something that we've been thinking about a lot in Ferndale um, is how are, how are we recruiting there? Where are we going? Who are we talking to? And even not posting on social media, we get so many people that reach out to us. But again, they're more people like me. So that's something that we've been cognizant of. And honestly, we haven't solved. It's definitely a, a big issue. Um, I know you got – you ready? <laughs> yeah, and I'll go around. Uh, I, think, I think your internship idea is an absolutely great idea to get people when they're young and they're figuring out what they want to do. But then my immediate major reaction is, what do you do about people that are in their 30s or 40s like us and miss the boat on doing an internship, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, again, where the like the social media groups come in. Because I think maybe the, the job postings aren't... You, you don't have social media, you're going to get people that are just... I'm a beer drinker. I want to work in the industry. You know what the industry entails. Yeah. Um, but a lot of the, the Facebook groups is where you can kind of mobilize the brewing. There's a um, there's a group on Facebook that I I I learned of because I volunteered at Be um, and it's called the Detroit Draft Diva. Which if any if you're a woman in this group and you're not a diva, you should be mobilized. <laughs> Um, but anyway, the Detroit Craft Divas, what they do is they, they reach out to different breweries and they do a, a Diva Brew every month. So they will do, they will do a, um, we're going to go one evening this month and we're going to go to a brewery and we're going to learn how to brew with them. We're going to do a special Diva Brew. We're going to give to charity and then we're going to have a meetup the next month and drink it. Mm-hmm. So things like that, to be like people that kind of miss the boat on being an intern, people don't have the time or the inclination to actually physically get into the industry, but have that as a passion. I think reaching out to groups or maybe even creating a group to say these are the people that we want to touch, that touch the industry, that care more than a casual drinker, but want to be involved. I think that's where you where you hit a lot of minority groups and a lot of the interest groups. People are passionate without being involved. Hold on, one sec, one sec, one sec. Yeah, go ahead. So, how can we as craft beer ambassadors, a lot of people are involved, there's a lot of people of color involved, how can we help that help craft beer owner, the brewer, the podcaster, the brewmaster? How can we help group diversity, inclusion, and advocacy? I was listening to an interesting podcast where they mentioned that diversity is being Mm-hmm. Um, diversity being asked to dance, uh, being asked to dance is inclusion. Mm-hmm. And equity is making sure you know how to dance. Mm-hmm. The irony is mm-hmm. being asked to dance without even knowing how to dance. So, how can we 
That's perfect. <laughs> and and yeah. justice yeah. is making sure you can afford dance lessons. Yeah. <laughs> so there's, there's there's a there's a, there's a progression. So you talk about diversity, inclusion, and you talk about equity, but the next step to that is justice. And justice is that point where I talked about equal access to resources. So, like I said, justice is making sure you can afford to learn how to dance. And I love what you're saying. Yeah, events. Let's let's figure out some kind of events to invite people in. Because, like, we can't just have the door open and say, welcome, come, this is a safe space. Black people come here. <laughs> but what right. you're saying is, like, we need something. We need ambassadors. We need folks to say, hey, let's do some kind of event with my friends. I know this organization. We have this space. Come on in. Let's do a beer tasting. Because what you're saying, this whole equity, I don't know what good beer tastes like. I don't know the difference between this and that. Come on in. Let's talk about it. Yeah. We have the space to do that. And, like, let's talk and make that happen. And, I mean, shameless plug again for the Bruce Brothers podcast. <laughs> but we, <laughs> we're, we're, at a, we're at a different brewery or bar every month when we record. We, we record one at home base, which has been here lately. Thank yeah. you, Dane. Um, but we record one at our home base, but one at a local brewery, and we always post where we're going to be. If you want to show up and hang out with us, you are more than welcome to do so. Because we do, we do exactly what we're doing right here. We sit and we talk about issues about beer, and we drink beer, and we have a good time doing it. We go to events together. We'll be at Smasher Day over at uh, over at Batch on Saturday, right? Come over there, Bruce Brothers family. Um, yeah, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a long day. But I say <laughs> I, I say that to say that's part of the Bruce Brothers mission too is visibility. We get together and we go to these things. So now. You know, there we can guarantee you it's going to be some black beer drinkers at Smasher Day. We can guarantee you it's going to be some black beer drinkers at somebody's brewery or bar the third Wednesday of every month when we record. It's going to be several, a couple hundred black beer drinkers here in June from another event that uh, that Wayne and I are involved in. So I mean, it, hang out with the Brews Brothers, and you you you'll, you'll find the spot and host other events. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I was just going to piggyback on that and just say one of the most rewarding things for me over the last three months is being approached by people that want to host events, people that want to try something with the brewery. And, like, I just, it's, like, what I started this for. Like, yes, yes, I'm a brewer, and I love making beer, and I love watching people that I don't personally know drink my beer and give me feedback on it. It's, like, the best thing ever. Like, if you went from home brewing to commercial brewing, you can appreciate the difference between, like, friends and family telling you they love your beer and, like, a total, total stranger. stranger. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, to, to be able to be in a position to host events and bring people in, like, it is the best part of owning the space that I own. It and sounds I, I like we'll be, we'll be recording that brewery face. I would love that. All right, then. All right, then. It's coming. <laughs> We'll have you in GR2. Yes, we, hey, we can make a road trip. Sounds like we'll be going to GR2. All right. We're we making notes here. we got a couple hands. Yeah, to, yeah, one sec. To, to, to answer your question, too, just from my perspective, um, there's, I think, two things that come to mind. And one, a, a lot of people in this room have already done it, but it's been a resource to me. I mean, I, I fully acknowledge that I am a white dude with a beard that opened a brewery. And so the first time that the Bruce Brothers came, I was there, and I was asking questions, and I was listening. Um, and then... 
as Harry alluded to, he gave me his phone number and he was screwed. <laughs> anyone that knows me knows that once once I get somebody's phone number, and I want fast something. Friends, yeah, and, and, and now we're super close and talk yeah. about more than beer. Um, but like being a resource to me made me gave me options and someone to bounce ideas off of. So that was huge. And the second thing is just hold hold me accountable, hold Rachel accountable. I mean, that's a big thing. If in a month nothing's changed and we're not doing anything reach out to me talk to my staff about it because i think that's really important it's been i'll 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 be honest it's been really hard thinking about how fast we're growing getting ferndale opening and then thinking about this but i had to take a step back balancing business with all of it and you have to do it yeah you have to to. and and, and like i said you have a responsibility right and so i had to take a step back and people did hold me accountable and talked about the conversations we had alex is really good about holding me accountable with this kind of stuff (laughs) Um, (laughs) but yeah so those are two things that i think are important for sure as an owner and then i think our staff for sure we can think about hosting events and and do more tangible things Mm -hmm. yeah wayne No, it's just a name. As a matter of fact, (laughs) it is a great movie, but as a matter of fact, Sasha is a member of Groove's Brothers. Not only is she a member of the group, she's a podcast member, too. So, no, it is not just for me. Everybody is welcome to Groove's Brothers. Everybody. Everybody in this room, we'd love to have you. (laughs) (laughs) I just had to be clear on that. My second question was, (laughs) you went around the panel, and they all discussed how they got involved in practical beer. What's your story? Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Oh, I haven't thought about this for a while. Um, I mean, I was like many people and drank macro beer throughout college. And then some of my friends who I thought were pretty pretentious started drinking this expensive stuff. And I'm very frugal, so I would always make fun of them. But then I'd steal sips from them every once in a while. Um, and then what I really liked is all my roommates, we were living in Chicago, they started home brewing. So not only was I getting usually better beer, sometimes a little bit worse, but I was getting, I was getting better beer, and I was getting it for free. There it is. Um, and so that's kind of how it all started. I can't think of a specific beer. And then I opened Easter Market Brewing with, with four of those friends. So we opened the five of us opened the brewery together. And then at the time, the idea was we'd all go back to our day jobs. Um, and as, as I learned pretty quickly, there's no way you can balance a day job with a growing brewery. So they all did it, and now I'm, I'm the one managing it. We're all still super close, and we still fight a lot. They don't homebrew anymore, um, but they, st- <laughs> they get free. Actually, last year they weren't allowed to get free beer because we didn't have enough. But, <laughs> but maybe this year with Ferndale we can give them some beer. Yeah. Yeah, so I just want to be cognizant of everyone's time. I will stay here all night, as the Bruce Brothers know, yeah. um, and everyone is welcome. We will not close the doors, but if you have things to do, um, feel free to leave. We're at, we're at 8 o'clock. I don't want anyone to feel uncomfortable if they have somewhere to go. But, yeah, I'll keep taking questions, drinking beer. A couple, One just quick announcement if people start leaving. Um, so we're going to donate half of all the beer sales tonight to the Michigan Roundtable for Diversity and Inclusion. Um, I, I, we didn't announce that anywhere because I didn't want that to be the driver of why, why people came, but I just want people to know that. And um, we are also going to give a gift to all of you guys for being awesome. And, and that gift is a lifetime membership to EMBC. Oh, dig that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I thought he was just going to say he was going to take care of my tab, but yeah. that worked. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, so, yeah, I, I appreciate all Thanks, you guys Dan, coming. I appreciate you, brother. Um, yeah, like I said, just being a resource to me, um, all of you, you have been, that's been huge, um, and in allowing us to have this conversation and provide your perspective. And with that, we can we can keep going. Um, do you have a question? Yeah, I, I think uh, it's, like it's really important to be able to have more people of color be in like a brewery scene and all of that, but sometimes, like when we say over here, like it's not always that easy. Mm-hmm. So then what, as brewers, do you feel like you're doing to be able to train people to make it more comfortable for me to be able to come to your place? I mean, we're small enough right now where I don't, I'm not hiring back of house. I'm not hiring an assistant brewer or anything, but I've thought about this a lot. I've, I thought about how I would handle hiring if I'd put it on social media or not. I've thought about all these things. Um, I think I think I learned a lot with my first initial like hiring batch, and I think I would be way more strategic moving forward as like to who I I think once you're open and you and you and you're part of Bruce Brothers and you're on all these beer, you know pages and you like network with people that are Detroit people it's it's a slightly bigger audience to like draw to your business which is good like we get applications dropped off personally I would be more strategic about who I bring in for interviews at that point because you know the inclusion is in, in my opinion like diversity hires are one thing as, as an owner but inclusion really is like I loved the analogy that you made about the dancing <laughs> it's so great um, but you really need to uh, create a comfortable environment where people want to be in your space and, I, and I've and i tried really hard to create that so um, it's hard at this moment in time for me to imagine bringing a brewer in because right now it's just my husband and I and that feels very like <laughs> personal, personal. <Yeah. laughs> um, but when we get to that point uh, I'll be ready and I'll and I'll and I'll be interested in giving everybody a, a, a chance to try it out and and, uh, and exposure yes like we're talking about hiring people how can you hire people that don't even know the job exists yeah mm-hmm. um and stem education mm-hmm. like we talk about stem i'm in education stem 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 we have a whole bunch of students minority students that don't know about stem jobs and so we're saying how do we get somebody to come in and train how do we get more people more people of color more women more uh, diverse groups to know about brewing i don't even know what it takes what does a resume look like for a brewer <laughs> like, do you have to be a home brewer to be a brewer? And a lot of people that look like me, I don't know a lot of people look like me that are home brewers. Yeah. And so, like, what does it look like for us to start getting people in here to say, this is a job opportunity for you. This is an industry that you can work in. Because a lot of my friends don't even know this industry exists for them to climb the ladder in. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. You've had your hand up for a while. First of all, I think you should come on Monday nights to the you had me at drink afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I watch you guys. Yeah. At the, you said at the at the Royal Oak Brewery. You said Royal Oak Brewery. Monday night, seven p.m. Sounds like we'll have to schedule a special Monday night recording because we we generally we record every first and third Wednesday. So I I think we could squeeze in a Monday night. Oh well, shit. Hey, uh, hey, hey, Wayne. Where's where's the producer? Hey, Will. We got a Monday. We got a Monday night coming up. <laughs> Go and 
four. Yeah, somebody says seven three four. Okay. Definitely a great space. Yeah. Um, Five hundred dollars. I own like one one hundred for them. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Their beer is very basic by design because they are they are a brewery that is hundred percent designed to be approachable. When yeah. you talk about entry point, yeah. it's both so you can go in there and say, oh, this is what this style is supposed to taste like. Right. You beat Sasha to it, because I'm know, sure that. <laughs> so we recorded there, and I also, at, at, at the time, I don't think it's on tap now, but they named a beer after me. Yeah, so, Sasha's so. famous. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. I had nothing to do with the making of it, <laughs> I don't know how to actually brew it. They had, they had her stir it with her finger, and that's how. That made it special. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's. it's Oh, Old okay, Nation, wait. yeah. If you find yourself out in Lansing, Old Nation, absolutely. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about Old Nation, but oh, okay. before we get off of that. Um, oh, shit, I forgot. Was, fuck. Oh, <laughs> it's not the Never, podcast. Oh, we can't cuss like that in the, in the panel. Huh? 7-3-4. 7-3-4. Oh, oh, and so one of the things that I find, um, like when I have friends in the in the area that don't know much about craft beer, I'll take them to 734. Because it's approachable, um, they also offer a space that you can rent for free. So I've gone in there and there's been like bridal showers in there. There's, you know, there's just been stuff that's happening in there from people who don't normally drink craft beer, but you're there and the space is free and you're looking for somewhere to have your event. You have it there and then there's beer and then you taste it and you talk about it a little bit. Um, and then one of the other things I said about 734 when we were recording, when I walked in there, um, I was relatively new to Ipsy. I lived in Ann Arbor for a long time, bought a house in Ipsy and the culture of the two cities is very different. So I'm looking for a, a, just a place to be. And I, so I go into 734. I walk in, and behind the bar is a sister with dreads. It looks like me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, what, what is going Found on? Found a spot. That never happens. I mean, you know, it happens. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that does not happen all the time. So I immediately felt welcome. The music they play, the, mm-hmm. the space itself, the art on the walls, all of it is welcoming. They, they have designed it to be approachable yeah. and, you know, and, and thoughtful. Yeah, and I'll also say... Um, Ascension, though their styles are a little more complex, um, Ascension out in Novi, I've always felt very welcome there. I've never gone in there and felt like I didn't belong, um, even though I may have been the only face that looked like mine in the place. But I've, I've always felt very welcome. Staff there has always been great. Dra- oh, drafting table in Wixom. Um, eight, oh, eight degrees Plato, absolutely. <laughs> Um, Old Nation, if you happen to be out in Williamston, which is in the middle of a cornfield. Don't, don't let it deter you. Right. Don't, don't go anywhere else out there. Just go to Old Nation and then go home. But, <laughs> um, yeah, have a full tank of gas. Yeah, yeah. All right, I'm going I'm to go to Kuma, but one thing real quick. Will's got to take some of this equipment. Okay. Um, so we're going to keep yeah. going, but it might get a little chaotic, but we'll keep going. And we'll I know Tyree had a question, too. We, 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 we just got to talk louder. Yo. So it's good. One more brewery that we need to Batch. Batch, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead, Kuma. So I think my question is about events, beer names. There's a lot of brewers out there that are making, I guess, a misguided attempt to try to appeal to more diverse uh, beer-driven crowd. And I, I guess I'm curious, uh, whatever, whatever one stage is on, where's the line between pandering and For me, 
the easiest thing to do is not put an image of anybody on a beer can. You don't need a cartoon of black people on a beer can because inevitably those cartoons come with exaggerated features and end up looking like something from the minstrel days and things of that nature. Yeah, so visual, or, or visual representation. Or a big-bosomed woman. I'm sorry? Or a big-bosomed woman. Or a big-bosomed woman, woman with her breast falling out of her yeah. shirt. All of these yeah. images yeah. play on stereotypes that, to the larger craft beer community, obviously is funny or interesting. But it also shows that not enough eyes are going on these labels before they yes. go out. Yes. Um, so for me, um, I mean, just stay away from that. You know, stay away from the imaging. A lot of times, breweries like Monkish is um, is famous for alluding to hip hop songs when naming their beers, but that's part of the culture of that brewery. You go in there, from what I understand, I've not been there, but you go in there any time of day, and they're playing hip hop music. They kind of have have adopted hip hop culture. That's who these people, who these guys are. They've grown up in hip hop culture. You don't see them appropriating images, but they are kind of giving a nod to the culture saying hey this is what we've come up doing and I think that's the best way to do it. You give a nod to the culture you sell your beer, you make good beer and you, and you leave it at that. Switch to Sky Broadband now and come home to ultra fast speeds of one gigabit and our best ever Wi-Fi. So while you stream the big game in the living room chefs can find inspiration in the kitchen and online gamers can set track records in the attic. To switch to our best ever broadband from just €35 a month for 12 months. Search Sky Broadband today. Availability subject to location. Set up these terms and conditions apply. For more info, see sky.ie forward slash speeds. Sound is intimate. Sound is unique. What you choose to listen to reflects how you feel, can change your mood, or even challenge your perception. Sound is serious. Sound is everywhere. Your mobile is your personal library. Shouldn't your car allow you to hear it at its best? The Seat Ibiza, available with Beats Audio and Wireless Phone Charger. Start moving. Visit seat.ie slash Ibiza. Visit hellsburg.com for safe and easy ways to shop this holiday, like free shipping and returns, virtual shopping appointments, or buy online and pick up in store. And right now, Get a free Microsoft Surface Go 2 with the purchase of $1,499 or more. You gift, you get. Limited time offer while supplies last. See online or in store for details. I have pen fed, that's a fact. I have pen fed, that's a fact. My credit card purchases get me cash back. My credit card purchases get me cash back. No one else gets these rewards. Sergeant, that is just plain untrue. What in tarnation? Sir, PenFed's Power Cash Rewards Card isn't just for military members. Anyone can get cash back on all purchases. Ah, friggins! You've ruined my favorite song. PenFed Credit Union. Visit penfed.org slash powercash. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA.